Cookies. I think it's an exciting time. For what? It's 2021. It is 2021. Holy shit. 2-0-fucking-2-1. Which, I don't know why, but that, that year, like that number, aesthetically pleasing. Which number? 2021. Like, 2021? Yeah. For some reason in my head, like, I can't wait to write that. I kind of like the, um, I like the way that it sounds saying it. Yeah. Like, da-da-da-da-da. It's like, it's got a nice rhythm, like, ba-da-ba-da-ba, ba-da-ba-da-ba, ba-da-ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-
Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was really just, I want this because... It's pretty. Yeah, I want to support the graphical showcase. And also, it was something where I could play... Like, I could drive my dad's car in oh, that yeah, game. Oh, yeah, because he had the Mini Cooper at the time. Yeah, so I, I specifically wanted my dad to play it because I was hoping it would be one of those things where I could be like, this is going to get my dad into video games because yeah. he'll be able to play and drive his own car. And, nope. uh, no. Uncharted actually got my dad into video games. Which is surprising. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but, but still. So yeah. Gran Turismo, I tried to do that with Prologue. But then after that, Gran Turismo 5, um, I got that because, again, the whole graphical showcase. Mm-hmm. But my favorite thing about Gran Turismo 5 was in their photo mode, you could walk around these cities in first person. Oh, yeah. And they were like photorealistic cities because literally all the textures were just photographs from different angles. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was fully 3D rendered. Like there was a street in Italy and there was like just different places like Germany and stuff. And that was my favorite thing because I was like, I've always wanted a game where you can travel the world and just explore real life places. Yeah. And uh, that was like the closest thing to that. So that was the mode that I liked the most in Gran Turismo 5. And then fast forward to Gran Turismo Sport. And I was getting addicted to like the little educational value things, like learning little things about different things in the history of science and technology, uh, which they, they kind of like lay out in this big timeline. But recently, I actually started playing the actual game. <laughs> it took only took, what, a year? Uh, it was since that game came out, because I got that at launch. Well, that game hasn't been out terribly long. It's only been a year, two years at the most. I think it's been three years. Grand Turismo Sport? Hold on, let me look it up, because now I'm curious. But uh, but no, the, the game is really interesting, because it there's like a lot of percentages, and you can track your progress in pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. And because it's got that educational value, I actually feel like I'm improving yeah, my driving. But, but yeah, it's, it's a really good game. I actually really like it. <laughs> Just three years too late. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes these things take time. True. So. I mean, I want to talk. Playing Final Fantasy fifteen. <laughs> yeah, five years later. When I bought that game at launch, sold it because I got rid of like most of my physical games at the time, and then it was free to the PlayStation Plus collection, which makes me really happy because I've been wanting to play this game. Since beating Final Fantasy VII Remake, I wanted more Final Fantasy, and I was like, oh, thank God, this is an option. <laughs> But I kept waiting for it. Every time I would go on sale, I was like at, at a point like, oh, I can't afford it. I shouldn't buy this now. And when I'm like, oh, I can buy it now, it's back to regular price, like 35 bucks. I'm like, motherfuck. I think I actually ended up buying your copy of the game that you traded in a while ago. Did you buy it or did you just take the Steelbook case? Because the Steelbook case is definitely mine. Because you took it like the day I traded it in. That might have been another one that I stole. Yeah. I, I, th- I know you took the case. I don't know if you actually bought the game. I don't remember. Yeah. Either way, I yeah. have your. You game, have my basically. case. Yeah, and the movie. The movie's probably yeah, still and in the there movie. too. I want to watch that still. I never did. I've got it. So, all right, there we go. Here's what we'll do. Since you're playing Final Fantasy 15, and I also still need to beat it, we can play it like together, like at the same time. Okay. And then when we're finished, we can watch the movie together. It'll be like a little bonding experience. I'm cool with that. We can bond. We can make it a thing. We can get pop some kettle corn. Some kettle corn? We can, hopefully it's got another great one-liner like the other Final <laughs> Fantasy movie. <laughs> that was the best part of that, that movie, objectively. Objectively. Oh, God. Like, there's no other argument that we made about that. That's um, honestly all that I remember from that movie. Is really? We would just play that over and over I've again. Been, since, <laughs> another thing I've been wanting to do since beating Final Fantasy VII Remake is rewatch Advent Children. Like, 
Okay. I've been jonesing for it. But I haven't been wanting to because, like, spoilers in a way for Rachel. Because she's only seen Final Fantasy VII Remake. And the results of the original Final Fantasy VII are very much what is the premise of Well, isn't that totally thrown out the window with the remake? Well, that's the thing. Not necessarily. There's still some things that could change and be totally different. And because she does not know what those things are that could change, her watching it now, I think it would be more of a, like, oh, wow, that... Hold on, wait. So I'm, like, holding out on watching it, even though I do want to watch it again. All right. And I own it. It's downstairs. I don't remember any story from that. I just remember some of the characters were attractive. The son of the bitch scene, or son of a bitch scene, where he just randomly ran up. And the game's really, or the movie's really pretty. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it just looks pretty. It looks like Final Fantasy, so. Yeah. But, uh, so I've been playing Final Fantasy XV, as Steven said. I've also, we've been playing Ghost of Tsushima Legends. Um... That's been a thing. I love Legends. I'm I'm surprised by how much I like it because usually I hate multiplayer yeah. focused things. Mm-hmm. But I think they did a great job, and the art direction. I mean, I like the artistic direction for the base game Ghost of Tsushima. But in Legends, it's like it's like let's take Ghost of Tsushima but make it a Silent Hill game. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just like yeah. there's blood and like literal Gooey. organs hanging from the sky. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, and the... which that's my fifty-first platinum. Thinking about that, really? Mm-hmm. Ghost Congratulations! Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. I don't remember what number Ghost was for me. Ghost <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just having a stroke. It's fine. Yeah, a stroke uh, of genius. <laughs> oh, oh my! Uh, I, what else was I? I was playing something else, but I can't remember what. Was it a Switch thing? Usually you're no, playing a Switch thing, too. I, I, I haven't been playing a Switch lately, since Hyrule Warriors. Um, oh, you know what? On my route to actually end up playing Final Fantasy XV, I installed Witcher, and I played that for a few minutes, but I also did it at, like, 2 in the morning. So my I get brain, notifications every time that you download a game. Yeah, so my brain just could not comprehend everything I was trying to do in the beginning of that game at that hour. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I, I can't do this. So I stopped. And then I also um, tried. I tried Rise of the Tomb Raider. I got it installed, but Rachel didn't want to watch me play that, so I did not get any further in that. And then Final Fantasy Fifteen, I'm like, oh shit, I can finally do this. So I did. Um, which I'm sure you got hella notifications for that. Trying to yeah, install. all the add-ons it and was, shit. I'd... All the add-ons, and then what fucking sucked was that like all of a sudden the PS5 like just wouldn't connect to the internet, so I had to restart it. Huh. And it kept having to reinstall things. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So I was getting notifications at like 4 in the morning on my watch saying, oh, this add-on's ready to go. This add-on's ready. I'm like, oh my fucking yeah. God, just get it ready. And then I got another notification at like 5 saying, oh, there's a problem installing Final Fantasy 15. I'm like, what the Jesus fuck? How? What is wrong? <laughs> and I wake up, go downstairs, and it's installed. I'm like, what? So does it work? Did it not? I feel I'm like confused. it's just, they're just trying to fuck with you. Yeah, I was like, I, I give up. I was, whatever. But, Steven... As we are both prone to playing games that did not come out the year they were released, yep. usually years later. Yep. 2020 was a good year for video games. It was a really fucking good like, year for video games. In, a, in, a, in an environment where it was expected to be a bad year for video games, just due to... Oh, I love how we're like, 2020 was a great year for video games. What are you playing? Grand Turismo <laughs> Sport and Final, Final Fantasy XV. <laughs> like I said, we are known and prone to play games years <laughs> when, after they've released. There's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. Um... <laughs> But it's in a year where these games, where 2020 should have been a scarce year. Like, 
everyone's predicting like games are gonna get delayed because developers are gonna either have to shut down or shutter completely or people have to do things remotely and it's gonna take more time we still got like a ton of games that came out and sure obviously these games were already in development well before 2020 at least some of them on actually think about it, the one game that took more time to develop than any of them is the only one that really tanked on consoles at least was cyberpunk yeah that was the only one and that game's been in development for like five years plus so or well no probably just about five years because witcher i think came out 2014 2015 but anyway good year for video games it shouldn't have been but it was well, like the, I think the best thing about it, this was not only a great ga- a great year for game releases, mm-hmm. but it was a great year for playing video games. Oh yeah, so many people were stuck at home, and they were just kind of, you know, what are you gonna do with your now weeks and months of free time? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I'll play through these games. Yeah, and- games like uh, Animal Crossing, uh, fucking Among Us, a game that came out two, three years ago, all of a sudden just. That skyrocketed. That came out three years. That ago? game came out on PC forever ago. Was it like early access or something? Mm-mm. Game has just been out, Jeez. and and like it just didn't take off. And now all of a sudden, it's. I thought that was on the list of games that came out this year. Yeah, because it came out on Xbox One, on through Game Pass oh. or PC, and eventually it'll be on Xbox One itself, and then it will release it release on Switch. Oh um, yeah, that's and right. that was the big thing. So it's been available for PC and mobile for years. Um, and the PS4 version will be, or PS4, PS5 version, whichever they decide to put the out. The Vita version. Yeah, no. Uh, will <laughs> be coming sometime come Vita. this year. So, yeah, the game's been out for a while. It's just... Interesting. Yeah. I think I'm thinking of Fall Guys being in early access. Mm. I think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that was early access and then free through plus on PlayStation 4. That's another, another big game that came out this year. Mm-hmm. I, I just keep forgetting about things, and then by the time that I remember, it's... Yeah. I just, I'm reflecting on this year. I just continuously have my mind blown because there were so many things that, like, feel like they've been such a big part of, like, the video game industry and the conversation that I feel like they've been around longer than they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, they came out this year. Yeah, like Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Part Two, um, Persona Five Royal, Final Fantasy Seven Remake. Uh, it is. It's been wild to see everything that's come through. And I think what, like, hell, Resident Evil 3 remake. Um, That's another one Doom, I keep forgetting. Doom Eternal. Yeah. Um, Animal Crossing. All these major smash hits that came through. Hades. Um, it has been crazy. And on top of that, we got console launches between the, the new Xboxes and the PlayStation 5. And what people thought would be consoles that would surely get delayed in 2021. Yeah, I'm sure still enough. kind of amazed that yeah, but it, came it out. still found a way to. You know what pisses me off? <laughs> no, Steven, I don't. So you know how I still don't have a PlayStation Five? Yes. This is you know this is now. Everybody fucking knows this now. Mm-hmm. That, that was the couch. No, that was Steven's <laughs> ass. He just totally farted. No, that was the couch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, so so everybody knows that I don't have a PlayStation Five, mm-hmm. including my brother-in-law Anthony. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know where she's going. So he has a PlayStation 5. Uh-huh. That's fine. Or I should say he had a PlayStation 5. You know what this motherfucker did? <laughs> no. He sold his PS5. And you know how much he sold it for? No. $500. And not once did he offer for me to buy it. 
Well, hold on. You found out that day. Like, that was, what, New Year's Eve? I found out he was selling it on New Year's And then Eve. I messaged him, and I was like, hey, I will buy this from you. I will pay cash. And he gives it to some other guy for $500, and he gave him a gun. Like, they traded? Yeah. And like money? Money and a gun. But I'm like, come on. You know that I, I wanted a PS5. And my profile was already on there. I had all my games downloaded. It was, like, primed for me to have this PS5. <laughs> That's a good... Yeah. You uh, better... Did he format it before I asked him, it? and he said yes. And there's, like, a passcode in order to get onto my That's profile good. on That's there, good. too. Yeah. So uh, there's a little bit of protection. But it's just... Uh, that just irks me. I so, bet. Anthony, if you're listening, which you're not, but if you are, fuck you. Oh, it should be my PS5. <laughs> Jesus. I would fight you, but now you have a gun and $500. <laughs> so. The $500 is what sells it. Yeah, yeah. Good for him for not selling it for, like, above ask. Like, you know, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, and it. also he, he he did get more than the 500 But still, but yeah, yeah. That, was, that was good. He wasn't, he wasn't a complete asshole. Mm-hmm. But he was enough of an asshole for me to not have a PS5. <laughs> so, uh... So, yeah. That, uh... <laughs> But that's fine, because still, to this day, pretty much everything that I want to play is also on PS4. Yeah, I would say, like, if you go through the PlayStation Store on the PS5 right now and select only PS5 games... There's, like, two? <laughs> no, there's about 15 or so. Okay. It's, like, it's like two rows and, like, three extra games. Okay. So it's pretty limited looking at it. I was like, oh, wow. Huh. Crazy. But, yeah, we're going to start having a problem once Ratchet & Clank comes out. Why were we... You know, I, I... Okay, so, theory... There will be a PlayStation 5 bundle with Ratchet and Clank in the box, and that will be commonplace. And hopefully it's easy to find, and hopefully I can get it immediately. Well, that's what I'm saying, commonplace. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'll have an issue. I I didn't think I was going to have an issue Uh, originally, but... Seriously? See, I thought we would, just because of COVID, like, and everything Well, I honestly, I I just thought that I could leverage, you know, the people that I know who work at various game stops and things like that, but but no, their hands were tied in most cases, so... That that was just a, an assumption on my part. I still expect March of this year. It'll be fairly easy to find a PlayStation Five. I'm hoping, but yeah. like I said, there's still a lot of stuff that I can play on PS4, including a ridiculous backlog that includes games that came out this year. Mm-hmm. And there were some really really awesome games that came out this year. That's true, ladies and gentlemen. Steve and I will be presenting the top five games we've played in 2020. We need confetti. I know they can't see it, but we need confetti. We don't need confetti, because then I have to clean up confetti. Yeah, I need confetti to happen right now. No. Here, I'm going to find some paper, and I'm going to start ripping it up. How about I just send you, like, an iMessage with confetti in it? Okay, that works. All right, cool. That's fine. So, Steve, if if you would like to... How do you want to do this? You want to... I wrote them all down. Oh, I... Yeah. I I thought that was a book that was just saying something about... So, this was a gift from a coworker. Um... HR approved ways to tell coworkers they're stupid. That's and a she, clever little notebook. Yeah, and she thought it was actually like a book on like a list of things I could say to, like to do. Oh that. no! But when she got it, she goes, "It's just a journal." I'm like that's <laughs> totally fine. I'll still use it. I can see why you're disappointed. You should write I'll all totally... the reasons why your coworkers are stupid and then give it back. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> um, so you wrote yours down? Yeah, I wrote mine down. I wrote mine down, but it's on the Google Doc that I don't have. Do you have your phone on you? Nope. <laughs> I'm prepared. Yeah, you've all. But I've got it all in my noggin. When does my noggin let me down? Mm. Don't answer that. 
Yeah, I can think of numerous times. So how do you want to do this? You want to go back and forth, like alternate? Yeah, or... let's go back and forth. Okay. And are yours in order at all? Like what any order? Pre- like particular order, like no. ranking best to worst. No, okay, I can't rank shit. Yeah, I'm. I can't. I can't do that. That's mm-hmm. like picking my favorite child out of my non-existent children. Can't do that. That's fair. I was like, what? But yeah, you you can't yeah, do that because they don't exist. Mm-hmm. But also, if I did have children, I wouldn't be able to pick a favorite. Even though it's probably the one that plays the video games you and gets me platinum would trophies. Still pick a favorite. I feel like you would. It's the one that I train to be my platinum trophy. I feel like you would train both, but you'd still have a favorite. Uh, this is why I should only have one kid. Because then they'll default to be my favorite. There and I don't have to feel bad. That's fair. I feel like I feel like every parent secretly has a favorite child. Oh, that's a definitive thing. And that's that's all. Yeah. It is, but like expected. Yeah, but still. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, so uh you want you want to kick things off with or do you want me to do so? Um I'll kick things off cuz I'm going to start with something that I think is fairly obvious. Okay. Uh but I'm I'm just going to start with Last of Us Part 2. Yeah. Uh and I'm going to avoid spoilers, but uh this game is just it's a real gem and it does things that I think pushes the industry forward and the way that they tell their story and the way that they set an expectation and then subvert that expectation mm-hmm. and the way that characters grow throughout like just the depth that these characters have i feel like it's unprecedented in in video games and the way that that merges with the gameplay and the gameplay mechanics it's just it's really beautifully done and i think that it it's a great shining example of just the the craft uh, excellence that Naughty Dog has. So, I think Last of Us Part 2 is is one of the best games of this year. Okay. So, so yeah. yeah. Definitely. Really great. Uh, on mine, and I think this is on yours as well, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Yes. That game, it was... Well, I don't think it, it, it pushes anything, it pushes any envelope like Last of Us Part 2 does. Um, but with a beautiful art direction and a story that can spark so many conversations that is both engaging but accessible, it is amazing. I, I still applaud them, especially now going back and playing Final Fantasy XV and having played recently just Spider-Man Miles Morales and Spider-Man Remastered, the fast travel in Ghost of Tsushima and how fun it is to actually explore but not be penalized to fast travel in that game i still can't believe still that, that game just the way that fast travel works in that game mm-hmm. i can't believe that it's out on ps4 yeah like just because of how fast it is i've never seen fast travel work that fast so my thing my, my biggest concern is to see how it's fast i just feel like a lot of games don't reward you like you they you penalize miss, you. you they penalize you when you fast travel, because it's either oh, it's not quite where I need to go, or I'm gonna miss out on these collectibles if I pass. Or them you up. have to like pay in game something. In yeah, order to do it. there's some kind of cost. This game very much is you've been to this location. It's a point of reference. You can do this. You've done, we're not gonna make you travel back and forth a million and one times when you've been here already. Mm-hmm. So we'll just make it. Oh, you've been here. Okay, cool. You can fast travel. You've done the ex- you've done the exploration. You've got the rewards out of it. Here you go. And and then on top of it, it is extremely fast. So. That there, and then on top of all of the free content, including the Legends mode that uh, Sucker Punch has added onto it, yeah. which, by the way, I'm putting this out there if it's not already out there, 
I'm sure it is. Legends should have a standalone skew. It should retail for 20 bucks just to pay for without having the base game of Ghost of Tsushima. Cosmetic microtransactions. Boom. Well, it's I will fully That's actually that. that's one thing that I like about Legends is there aren't microtransactions. And right now, like all of the content for Legends is out. Yeah, they're they're finished with it. It is its own complete package and I like that it's like laser focused on what it's doing and it does it well. It respects the player's time and it respects the player's wallet. The fact that they just released it for free, I think this is phenomenal. I honestly, while while Ghost of Tsushima doesn't do much to push uh, gaming as a medium forward, uh, like the base game, mm-hmm. I think Legends actually does. Now that I've played it and now that I've you know reflected on it, I guess, I think Legends is how multiplayer for these games should be handled. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just really, I'm really pleased with it. I'm like floored by it honestly yeah uh, but i i, I kind of love that there's no microtransactions i'm okay with game. it if especially they release it, release it standalone you know like if you make a costume piece like a dollar or two bucks or whatever because it doesn't add, give you any added benefit for it it's purely cosmetic and you still have the option to complete different challenges or whatever is required to unlock those things mm-hmm. if someone wants to pay two bucks to do that like by all means go ahead especially if they were if they ever decide to turn legends into a more servicey type deal and add more content, then that's the way they can make. Especially if they make it standalone, they gotta find a way to yeah. generate. I'm totally fine with that, as long as it doesn't make it to where it's a pay to win or this person paid five bucks so they already automatically get more than I do. That mm-hmm. helps them play. I think maybe I'm we'll okay see with, something like that with Ghost of Tsushima too. Yeah, which is definitely happening. Right. So I would totally see that. But yeah, yeah I I agree with you with Ghost of Tsushima being one of the one of our. I mean, collectively, it's one of our favorites of 2020. Mm-hmm. Really, really good, surprising game. It's just such a good game. Like, it's a yes. gamey game that knows what it is, and it's it's just it's fun to play. And see, for me, I'm a simple man. I'm not a person that... I'm not a deep person. I'm a simple man. Seriously, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't consider myself deep. I'm very much, you get what you get at face value. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying this thing as a, oh, there's a, submit, what's a subconscious thing I'm doing this for. Like, no, I'm doing it because... I want to do this. I enjoy this, so I'm going to do this. So playing a game like Ghost of Tsushima, where it has an in-depth story, but fantastic gameplay, I that is what I want out of it. I don't need a bunch of nuance, a bunch of hidden mm-hmm. messages, or anything like that. I want something I can take at face value, still get a deep message out of it, and just enjoy. And it. just enjoy playing it. That's yeah. all I ask for. So, yeah. All right. So uh, that was kind of one of both of ours. Yeah. So, so there's that. Um, the next one that I wanted to pick is one of my favorites. Was um, I'll, I'll stick with PS4 for now. Uh, That's fine. I don't. I, I didn't really. When I think about this, I didn't really care what kind of console looks. Does it mean? Well, uh, so Sackboy, a big adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I only recently really played this game, but it it got its hooks into me, and I couldn't stop playing until seven in the morning and it, it's just it's so full of charm and there's so much content there and it, it's just it's i feel like everything in that game is is kind of like ghost of tsushima it's just designed to be fun mm-hmm. and it's just really satisfying to play and it, it really shines as a as a local co-op experience yeah. which uh there's there's not as many nowadays 
uh, of local co-op experiences. And and if they are there, they're not. It's like a half-assed, tacked-on thing. Yeah, and it's not enjoyable. But this one, it's really satisfying to play co-op. Uh, there are co-op only levels, mm-hmm. which uh, is is cool because then you know they're they're sort of co-op specific challenges that actually require communication and mm-hmm. teamwork. It's not just you know you just play through it. Uh, but God, it's just a lot of fun. And I, I started playing it um, a second time because I started it here. Uh, we played like a couple levels and that was it. Yeah. But when I really got into it and I downloaded it onto my PS4. Uh, I was playing it with my brother and uh, my husband and a couple friends, and we were just dying laughing the whole time. Like, something about it, it was just really charming, and we couldn't stop. I think, personally, I think the reason you enjoyed it so much, especially with the co-op aspect, is, is like you said, a gamey game. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Like, yeah, I feel it's one of those things where you can totally, like, Especially with the teamwork levels, like, oh, yeah, you can base off communication. You can do this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. You like, But you don't have to. You can totally whimsically fail at that game. Yeah. And still have fun doing it. It's one of my, it, it carries a lot of Ludwig Planet into a game not developed by Media Molecule, but carries so much between the different stickers, the costumes, the ability to slap each other. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm glad that they brought slapping back. Yeah, like that's, keeping that. That's and the most important this, the very animated, like, deaths like one of my favorite things from little planet 3 was when i got or any little bit planet really was when i got electrocuted just the little yeah like exploding kind of, that <laughs> was just so, so much fun <laughs> so knowing that's still there and it is there's so much whimsy to it to where like oh should you take this seriously you could but that's not why it's there and you can pick up your friends and throw them off a cliff yeah it's just a fun, fun thing to do and like there's little things like your character the characters in the game if they're giving this like big grand monologue you can literally run away, and then the characters will be like, oh, fine, don't listen to me. Yeah. Like, there's little things like that that I think mm-hmm. are fun. Or you can interrupt a character who's giving a speech, and you can just punch them in the face, and then they'll be like, why would you do that? And then they leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just little things like that I think are funny where the, the game is aware, and they know that you are going to do things in this game because it's a gamey game. Like, when people play games, they hit random NPCs, or, you know, they do stupid, silly things just because they can, and because mm-hmm. the, the ability to do that is there. And this game knows that, and they did a good job of designing the game to to make it make sense, mm-hmm. no matter what. Like, even when you finish a level, if you're playing um, multiplayer, there's sort of like a like a little score system and the person with the highest yeah. score it takes a picture of them but you can steal their trophy from them you can like jump in front of them you can photobomb their little you can pick them up and picture them out of the photo yeah like there's just little things like that and then it still takes a little snapshot mm-hmm. and that was always one of our favorite things is to try to just fuck up the, yep. the photo op for the people at the end and then see like at the end because you don't know what exactly it looks like until it pops up on the screen and then mm-hmm. we would almost always just die laughing because it would be something ridiculous uh but it's just a lot of fun to play. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to platinuming that one. But, yeah, that's another one that I think is one of one of the shining games from 2020. Yeah. So next up on my list, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I knew you were going to say that. I, so this game, in a, in a time where remakes and remasters and Game of the Year editions and whatnot are so prevalent and at times we're oversaturating the market... This game took that and made it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Between just upping the game, like gameplay is solid, 
it takes a story that is 15 years old and makes it so much better and it's still only a fraction of the original story yeah and on top of the music there's so much nostalgia but there's so much new there like i never played the original final fantasy 7 but i know so much about it mm-hmm. and i've seen what i need to know necessarily to play this and appreciate it that i can only imagine what people who play the original going into this game are like holy shit and there's still there's so many moments in there that get your heart racing because you know these characters and you know the story to an extent, and it's like, oh dear God! Like there's reaction videos for a specific portion of the game online right now that are all over the place, and the reaction that everyone has is damn near universal <laughs> because it creates such a feeling of oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck, and it is. God, and it's a game I immediately... Typically, when I beat a game, I don't want to go back and play it over again. I haven't had that mentality in video games since I was a kid. Final Fantasy VII Remake, not only did I want to do that, I immediately upped the difficulty and played on hard mode. And Which had, you need to do for a trophy anyways. Yeah. Well, that's how I had to platinum it. You have to... You know, uh, there's so much in the hard mode playthrough that you don't get in the other two. Mm-hmm. But... I think I would have done it regardless, and I immediately, like, it was, like, within a moment, I'm like, okay, cool, I'm doing hard mode, like, now. Damn. And I went into it, and I, it was still just as enjoyable. Did you cry? No, I didn't cry. Right. It, it wasn't necessarily anything deep that touched me like that, but it definitely I just, got even, my heart racing. Like, I'm, I'm like, the kind of person where even when I get excited, I start to cry. No, I, like, I didn't get there. With Heavenly Sword, I was, like, I was excited and angry. Mm-hmm. at a character and so i start to cry like just just <laughs> little things if i'm scared i cry yeah. if i'm happy i cry if i'm excited i cry if i'm like on the edge of my seat i cry i just cry all the fucking time jesus but uh but yeah i i keep trying to start final fantasy 7 remake and i get to the main menu and then i start crying because the music it's so good uh and then i just haven't started it but based on things that i've heard about the game and and things that you've said i am going to play this uh relatively soon i feel like i'm gonna play seven remake mm-hmm. but uh, one thing that i really appreciate about final fantasy seven remake that has uh kind of come to my attention by talking to people about it is that I-, I feel like this this is another game that's going to kind of push the industry in another direction mm-hmm. because it it changes how people are viewing the idea of remaking a game yep it's not just okay let's make the same exact thing but with a new coat of paint yep this is a reimagining. It's literally they are they're taking this game and they're gonna say, okay, what would happen if we took the concept of this game, but we started from scratch and made it today? That's how they're approaching the remake. And uh, what that means is not only is this a modernized take on the story and the gameplay, but also they're taking story elements and they're tweaking them and they're adding surprises and they're pushing things in new directions and. I think that that is a better form of fan service than just presenting the same thing because then even the people who love this game and this world and its story, mm-hmm. they have something new to look forward to and there are surprises that speak to them in a new way that can bring them back to how they felt when they first played the game and they were surprised by different story beats or things like that. Uh, because if you get the same exact thing, then you already know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And it's nostalgic, but there's not that same emotion because it's not it's not that experience. But this is kind of getting to the heart of what Final Fantasy VII was at the time, but it's modernizing it and making it fresh again. And so I think that's really cool. And I'm 
I'm excited for more Final Fantasy VII Remake, like the sequels for the additional parts, but also one thing I'm excited for is does this mean that we're going to see other developers approach the idea of a remake in the same fashion, where they kind of, they tweak it and change it to that degree? Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is something exciting, and maybe we will see more of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Do I think we'll see more of it? Yes. Do I think it'll be a substantial amount? Not necessarily, because... I mean, it's a big undertaking. It's a so. big fucking undertaking. <laughs> and it's you're, you think what really benefits Final Fantasy VII Remake is the characters so for instance remake takes the first three to five hours of the original game and turns it into a 35 hour game so on top of adding new story elements and i think the new story elements are very much a tweak of what the story is going to be i think the characters at heart and their motivations for doing things because it's a smaller cast you don't have all the characters that like vincent valentine's not there sid's not there there's a handful of characters that... Sid's not there? No, because you're still too early in the story. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes so sense. Right. there's plenty of characters... I was about to say, Sid! Yeah, there's plenty <laughs> what of... What they do to Sid? And because of that, you get to flesh out more... Like, the the speeches Barrett gives. These aren't like, oh, wow, I didn't know Barrett felt that way. It's like, you totally knew he did. You're just seeing more of it. It really jives. So when you get to this conclusion of this new story, it's... Sure, you know these characters and you love these characters, but you will be so much more attached to them because you've spent so much longer with them. You've now, instead of spending just 35 hours with Barrett all the way through the entirety of Final Fantasy VII, you spent 35 hours with Barrett for the first chunk of this story. Yeah, so it's like being able to spend more time with your fa- yes. with your friends and getting to know them more mm-hmm. than you could before. And, and then that's pretty cool. The big under the biggest thing are like the, the Shinra Electric Company. And it, the problem it has, while the problem it has isn't a new thing, it's the same one you had, you're just seeing it firsthand more so, mm-hmm. which is really cool because no one talks about Shinra and the whole, and the big scheme of things in Final Fantasy VII. No one talks about the thing that really set it in motion. You don't hear as much as you hear to talk about Sephiroth, right? So when the premise of this game is the battle against Shinra itself, that is... Like, oh, wow. Like, looking back at it, you're probably thinking, like, okay, yeah, I mean, Shinra was a bad guy. Like, it was an antagonistic organization in the original, but I don't feel like it was to this scale because it was literally the first chunk of the game. So kudos to Square Enix and Tetsuya Nomura, and I think it's really cool for him because as the creator of Final Fantasy VII, he always told himself if he made a remake of that game he's gonna do it with a bang like he's not gonna just well he's banging it yeah and he he's all over it so he's banging to them uh so for the next one uh how about you do the next one because one of ours was the same so then we'll be back on even ground i guess if that makes sense yeah sure um let's pull up the handy dandy notebook here handy dandy notebook next up i have was persona 5 royal uh, so, again, another game that took itself seriously as an enhanced remake, to an extent, of original title. So I never, again, didn't play the original Persona 5. Um, there's only about a two-year difference. Or, well, no. There's a few years difference between 5 and Yeah, I think Royal. so, actually. There's actually a good chunk of time there. Uh, but Royal takes the original game 
and goes in deep and really listens to the inconveniences and the gripes that players had uh, in terms of gameplay. Um, and then also takes elements of the story and fleshes them out more to a story that was already pretty damn solid. They added a whole new ending. They added a whole new and ending, added, a whole new semester. So that adds I think like it's another, more than 20 hours of gameplay. Yeah. Of, yes. of story gameplay. When the game itself originally it took about 100 to 125 hours to go through. Yeah. So adding that much content on there and then refreshing. And then from a technical standpoint, the original didn't have PS4 uh, Pro support, so you got HDR compatibility out of it. So everything kind of pops more. For a game that already has so much edge and color and vibrancy to it, to add to that, pretty damn cool. Yeah. And it takes it to where these characters in this game are from the get-go you're like oh okay you know typical teenage group fighting the adults the other breaking down and getting to know these characters again is really cool to see and it encourages you to do so by bonding with them and creating these ties and seeing what drives them each individually and what the similarities you can see them sharing as a group even more so than they already did I feel like I'm I'm starting to realize more of the similarities between Final Fantasy VII Remake and Persona 5 Royal, mm-hmm. which is interesting. That's something that I never really thought about. Yeah. But it's another one of those instances where it's like, oh, you love these characters? Well, now you can spend more time with them and get to know them more. Yes. And uh, on top of that, from a gameplay perspective, I feel like with Royal, they got rid of a lot of the tedium. Yeah, like, there's a lot it, of tediousness in the original one. Yeah, it's a lot less tedious, and the battle system is more streamlined mm-hmm. and accessible. Uh, certain difficulty spikes are a little easier, except Royal still has one, from what I hear. But still, overall, the game is a bit more accessible. And they streamline the trophy list, too, from what I hear. It's uh, it's less of a grind. Like it's It's more feasible that you can get the Platinum in one playthrough than... Uh, I think that comes through from. Uh, I think that comes from the, not necessarily the trophy list itself, but the gameplay. Yeah, just that that streamlining it makes it easier to attain yeah. the trophies that are already there. Yeah. So they're not too different. Um, that's true, but still, it does help. Yeah, for somebody like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's another one that I'm excited to play myself. I, oddly enough, I feel like I'm going to play the original one and not Royal, just because the original one was free. Oh, the, yeah. I mean, definitely. the collection, but. Still, that's that's a world that I'm excited to jump into, and who knows, maybe I'll jump into Royal as well. Yeah, eventually. I mean, and Royal's honestly, it's on sale like left and right. Like I think it's 25 bucks right now. So, yeah, but yeah. free. But for, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. And maybe it'll go on sale even more in the future because I'm not going to jump into that immediately. This I definitely is probably going to be maybe not even this year. I mean, I'm hell, sure honestly, I I talked to my I when I was going through the list of games to play, I thought, sure, like you know, I've seen Royal and played Royal. I could play five, like original five. I could totally do it and be fine with it. Yeah. Like I don't mind doing that at all. Like I'm you guys have heard me talk about it more. More Persona Five is not a bad thing. I don't care how much they put the fuck out. I will take any and all mediums of it. Uh so, so Persona Five Dancing? You can play that? Well, I mean I already saw it so much from you. So I a don't... Persona Five Dancing? I yeah. feel like I did a lot of that at home. Yeah, but we were at the apartment or your parents' house wherever you were playing it. Like Yeah, you picked it up living in the apartment with us. That's true. Yeah, when we all lived together. That was one of yeah. the first things you played. God, that feels like forever ago. I mean, it was almost four years ago. Jesus. Yeah. So. All right. All right, fair enough. So, yeah, I, I don't have a, as intense desire to play that. That and the story is not as... Yeah, it's. it doesn't really add too much. Yeah. Sorry. Oh I mean, I still platinumed it. I still enjoyed it. 
And yeah, I, the dancing games for me are like, sure, great, more Persona, but it's like the story is like, give me the meat. I want it. I want all the meat to the story. I want Persona more. 4, that had a lot of meat. That did. The dancing. Mm-hmm. Persona 4 dancing. That I could see myself playing because it is, a, it is an actual extension of the story. I would argue it had too much meat. That's fair. I had a mouthful of meat. Can't, can't have a mouthful of meat. On that note, Stephen, what is your next uh, pick? <laughs> so, uh, speaking of meat... Um, <laughs> Uh, a, a special character that has no meat at all uh, is Astrobot, and uh, <laughs> I tried to segue smoothly. God. It's the best I could do. Uh, and Astrobot, uh, when when Astrobot Rescue Mission came out in PlayStation VR, that was exciting because it was really really fucking good. It was like Super Mario sixty four. What Super Mario 64 was for 3D platformers, I feel like that game was for VR. And I, I always kind of felt bad that not as many people played it because it required VR. And so here comes PlayStation 5, f- fresh out of the gate, hot off the presses, and it launches with a free Astrobot game, Astro's Playroom. And it showed to me that Team Asobi, I think is the name of them. Team Asobi, they know what they're fucking doing. They know how to make a perfect platformer. Like, it is, it feels great. It's exciting. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's it's full of happiness and charm. And not only was that game a perfect little platformer, but it also, it was a love letter to PlayStation. Not just PlayStation worlds and characters, but PlayStation hardware and accessories. It really understood what PlayStation was which is more than just these characters and worlds, but the tools that we use to access those characters and worlds. And it represented it in such a great way. I, I just, I fucking love that game. And uh, I, I'm happy that that was my first Platinum on PS5. Uh, and again, it, it was a really nice, satisfying Platinum to get. They understood that time trials are annoying, and so they made them separate. <laughs> so you don't need those for the Platinum, which is also another little thing. It, I, I just feel like every inch of that game says that they know how to design a game. Like, it's another just really good gamey game. And even though I said that there's no meat on Astrobot, uh, there's, there's a lot of meat and goodness and savory goodness in Astro's Playroom. Even for a smaller, like, free pack-in game on the PS5. Uh, and it's a great showcase of the DualSense controller. Uh, just it's not a great. It is the best showcase because it's the only game. Still, I believe out of all the games I've played, at least it is the only game to use every aspect of the DualSense controller in unison. In, yeah. in unison, like every game has bits and pieces of it, but like Demon Souls, which people are saying is the pinnacle of what the technical achievement the PlayStation Five can do graphically and performance wise, it still doesn't like it does not use the adaptive triggers. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Miles Morales, I mean, great, it's more Spider-Man, but, and it looks pretty, it uses that, the adaptive triggers, it still does not well, I feel use like every aspect. Everywhere else, it's a bit more subtle. Yeah. And, you know, that's not, like, the main highlight. But with Astro, with Astro's Playroom, it, that is the highlight. Like, this is an introduction to the PlayStation 5, and I, I really think as an introduction to the PlayStation 5, Astro's Playroom is as good as it gets. Yeah. Like, it is it everything... Is no it's everything I would have wanted as an introductory experience to 
what PlayStation's solution for next gen is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so cool uh, because it kind of it honors the past while showing you what the future could be. And and it's just so much fun. Yeah. Like I I, I really enjoy it. So Astro's Playroom I think is is one of the shining surprises of 2020, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, w- I was really pleased with it. Yep. So next up on my list, another game that, while released on PS4 as well, also is a shining star of the PS5, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales. So while this game, gameplay-wise, did not you know, break any molds by any means, it's very much more of 2018 Spider-Man from Insomniac. But... In a game where it condenses everything with a shorter story, and I, I don't want to say a smaller map because you still have much of New York. I think, if not all of New York, still to your disposal. Yeah, I think it's the same map. Yeah, I, with, I don't think it's any different. With a little bit more detail in certain areas, because yeah. Miles, uh, his neighborhood, I guess, or his. Yeah, with there's more of a focus in Harlem. Uh, the game's story is still, I feel, because of how condensed it is, it was easier to follow. Whereas Spider-Man had a pacing issue towards the end, especially with Act 2 and 3, where, especially Act 3, where it's just like, oh, here's everything all at once. Yeah, and they showed they brought in like a lot of enemies, and I'm like, oh, is this going to be a big end. deal? And then it's like, no. It's the very end of the game. It's more than they're gone. Through. Yeah. Whereas Miles very much kind of spaces everything out. It focuses on maybe one or two enemies as a whole um, and keeps that there. But it has a huge focus on Miles as a person. It's like the things he's going through, the things he's dealt with, the loss of his father, his mother, and he moving into moving directly into Harlem, uh, picking up a past relationship with a friend he had as a kid. All of those relationships are very much explored on and touched on, and nothing, not one favors the other. They all are very much there, while at the same time very much showing the community aspect of Harlem. Um, and is showing the different kind of character and feel that that part of New York has. And, again, also it's still a technical marvel between how gorgeous the game is, between the ray tracing... That's our first next-gen ray tracing. mm Mm-hmm. That was the the first big one. Uh, So the ray tracing in there, uh, the fidelity mode with the 60 frames per second, and now with the performance ray tracing mode there now which i still yet to play around with in miles morales i think i turned it on or no i hadn't turned it on yet in spider-man remastered because uh, that patch came out later but if it's anything like the two other modes are in one whole package i'm ext- i can only imagine how gorgeous it is mm-hmm. and fluid so that's another one that i haven't played to completion yet mm-hmm. uh, because i want to play it on ps5 and just because i don't have a ps5 um but based on what i heard yeah, everything that you said, but also, I feel like even though it's a shorter story, I feel like there's a lot more character in it. Yeah. Uh, because to me, say what you want about uh, the performance uh, for Miles Morales, I think Miles Morales is a more interesting character than Peter Parker. Mm. There's a lot more going on, and you like know more about Miles Morales than you do Peter Parker. Like, I feel like Peter Parker is a less fleshed out character than Miles Morales because you get to see so many family aspects uh, for Miles and, like, you get to know his his friends and his personality a little bit more intricately. Uh, even though it's a shorter experience, I just think Miles is a much more compelling character and that personality kind of shines throughout that entire game. Whereas in 
just Spider-Man with Peter Parker, it was more like, like, Peter Parker is just Spider-Man and that's who he is. And that's it. Yeah. But with Miles Morales, it's like, all right, this is Miles Morales and this is his take on what Spider-Man can be and this idea that's, that everyone can be Spider-Man in a sense mm-hmm. um, and kind of taking that thematically in some interesting directions. And um, I, I like that and I also really like the the representation with Miles Morales where there's, like, you, you kind of get to learn culturally about different groups of people and you get to hear more about their experience and how that translates to to the spider-man universe Mm -hmm. and i think that's really cool and it just adds so much more flavor to the game so that's something that i'm excited to experience as i play through it yeah just based on what i've heard so no yeah definitely i think i think insomniac i think with i think peter parker is a character because I hear this a lot with everyone's like, oh, Miles is such a better par- character than Peter. You hear so much more about him. I think that is his result of time. Peter, as a character, has been around since the 60s, you know? So, and it's at a point now where a big criticism, especially with the movies and Peter Parker's character, everyone's heard the fucking story with Uncle Ben and how he got his powers. Everyone's heard it. Mm-hmm. No one cares. So no one's telling it anymore. So I think much to... While the drawback, while as much a plus for Miles Morales that we see his origin, because he's still a newer character, he's only he's been around less than a decade, um, and even then, he wasn't in the mainline comics for the first few years. Peter, no one wants to see his background anymore, so everyone's like, "Oh, we don't want to see his background," but at the same time, it's like, "Oh, well, we get more of Miles. We know more about who he is," and it's because you know. Well, I also feel like. So. What Insomniac did with Miles Morales was they weren't just telling the origin story. There's so many more flashes of like mm-hmm. his personality and his like personal life and the friends that he hangs out with. Yeah. Whereas with Peter Parker, it's more like, all right, there's Mary Jane and there's Aunt, uh, May. Aunt May, and then it's like, okay, there, he has sort of a weird thing going on with Doc Ock, and that's fine. Uh, but yeah. like, that's it. Like yeah. you don't like I. Even without playing Miles Morales, like I feel like I have a better sense of who Miles Morales is, regardless of the origin story, just as a person. Yeah, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, but you know, maybe we'll see more of of Peter Parker as well in in upcoming Spider-Man titles, um, especially since he's not really present as much for Miles Morales. So mm-hmm. maybe there's going to be some more interplay, and we'll learn more about them. But uh, well, that and with his best friend coming out of a tube. You played Spider-Man, right? The first one? <laughs> Just the way that you phrased that. Yeah. His best friend coming out of a Harry team. Osborne. Was like yeah. His, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, still, where it stands now, I just feel like while Miles Morales is a smaller game, it's more dense. And, yes. And like, packed with things and, and goodies. There's mm-hmm. more meat. It was a very meat-centric episode. I think equal meat, but no one likes meat that's spread out all over the place. Yeah. It's all on the same it's all on the plate. turkey leg. Mm-hmm. Renaissance fair turkey mead turkey leg god i'm like having another stroke good god it's all this talk about meat i need more meat have you ever <laughs> wanted more meat what was that quiznos uh i don't know yeah i remember that is quiznos quiznos the thing with the baby there's like a baby that would talk like an old man or not an old man but you know like an older man no you'd be like oh, i'm a baby but by quiznos 
What am I thinking of? I have no <laughs> idea what you're thinking of. Boss Baby? No, like, it's like a commercial. Jack there's like a baby in a crib, and he's like, I want Quiznos. I, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. All that right. sounds terrifying. It's probably, you know, that thing where people, what's it called, Mandela Effect? Yeah. It's like, I've got the Quiznos baby is my Mandela Effect. No, the Quiznos effect. was like, it was a, a sandwich restaurant, and they used yeah. to compete with Subway because they would always put more meat on their sandwiches that was their big ad campaign subway was like let's be healthy and let's lose weight and, and touch children quizzes like we can make Isn't it that happen with what's his face y- yes uh, uh, i don't God. remember his name jared jared there we yeah. go but but quiznos they're like let's not be healthy and let's not touch children i don't think quizzes still make healthy sandwiches but they added more meat to the sandwiches but they didn't touch children they did not touch children they just had babies in their commercial so that they sounded like men not as nearly prevalent anymore as subway is well Closest shows what people want Steven, your next pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so my next pick is probably a little bit surprising, but um, one thing that I really look for in games when thinking about these kinds of things uh, is kind of whether a game is sort of uh, kind of showing where the industry is going or pushing things in an interesting direction. And so with this last pick of mine, I think that while this game is severely underrated or severely overlooked, I still think that there's a lot that this game can give us, and that is Media Molecule's Dreams. I think Dreams is... it's unlike anything else. And, you know, you can draw comparisons to things, but but really, when, when you examine what Dreams is, it is, it is an all-in-one creator suite that is accessible and that allows people to make literally whatever the fuck they want mm-hmm. and it's a crash course in game design it's it's a it's a way for people for creators to gain exposure whether they're a musician an animator an actor a programmer like anything a storyteller there's so many different things that this game allows you to explore in an environment that is collaborative and supportive and the community around Dreams is just so tightly knit. Uh, and with the kinds of things that Media Molecule is saying for how they want to treat this, this game in the future, um, I think we're going to see a lot of interesting creators kind of born out of Dreams. And I think we're going to see some interesting game concepts. And we're, like, I, I feel like Looking back on dreams five years from now, I feel like we're going to be able to draw a line from that to other things. In the same way that, uh, like, the game Snake Pass, for example, mm-hmm. he started making levels in Little Big Planet, and he was hired based on that. He was offered a job, uh, I think, at Media Molecule, and then he ended up uh, working with EA. And he pitched an idea for Snake Pass, and that ended up being his first like proper standalone game. I think we're going to see that, but like times ten or times a hundred with Dreams, because it's so much more laser focused on game design and development, and on all these different aspects. And I think that that's a really powerful thing, and I think that it's empowering for creators. And even though it's kind of a more niche title, and uh, it. I mean, because it is so focused on those kinds of people, those like creators and supporters of creators and things like that. I'm just really excited to see how that 
helps curate more for the development community. Yeah. And uh, I, I just think it's it's really phenomenal. I think Media Molecule, they have so much talent and they have such an understanding of what it means to create and whenever they design anything, whether it's a tool set or a game, they just kind of understand that kind of mindset. Uh, like we, we saw that in Little Big Planet, we saw that in Tearaway, and now we see it in Dreams. Uh, and it, I just, I continue to be floored every time that I start up Dreams. So I, I think it's, it's really, it, it's an interesting game, it's an interesting experience, it's an interesting and well-designed suite of tools and I'm excited for how that's going to have a ripple effect in the industry because uh, I think it will and I think it already has mm-hmm. and I think we're going to really start to see that from uh, you know 2021 and beyond so yeah I think it'll be interesting to see with Dreams as I think it's hit a point now well I think it always has it it's more of a service than it is a game um, I think it'll be extremely fun to see if developers take what they've made through what James Dreams has provided on consoles, especially if we were to see like a an indie title come from what was built in Dreams mm-hmm. as a, its own skew, its own purchase that you can buy on the PlayStation Store. I think that's something I look forward because I'm not I didn't play Dreams a lot, not my cup of tea. I can appreciate what it is. I think my biggest thing for me that can say what Dreams is and speak to how successful it is is the day we see a game developed using Dreams and powered by Dreams on the PlayStation Store. Mm-hmm. I think once we hit something of that level on there, if possible, that is how you know. I think that'll be their crown jewel. That'll be their moment to say we made it. Yeah. So that'll I almost be- see like I almost see Dreams being. Uh, like a like a way for PlayStation to find talent almost. Yeah. I almost feel like they're going to look at people's creations and the things that stand out I feel like they'll be like, alright we'll set you up with a little studio make a thing. Yeah. Like I I feel like that's a thing that's going to happen because that's what we saw with Little Big Planet. Yep. That was a thing that Media Molecule had in mind. They weren't upfront about it until you know later into Little Big Planet's existence, but that's what they did. They were scoping out talent and they were pulling people and offering them jobs. And Dreams, because it's so much more in depth, I part of me wonders is that what they're doing with Dreams? Because uh, it seems very much designed for that, designed for bringing out people's creative side and and getting their creations exposure. And uh, yeah, I I feel like it's gonna be. It's going to be a big thing. And maybe this is me, uh, you know, doing my, that thing that I do where it's, you know, wishful thinking or hopeful or whatever, but uh, Dreams has been in development for a long-ass time. And because of that, it's an expensive project. And to me, for PlayStation to justify this, I feel like they have to either have data that shows that Dreams is going to make them a lot of money or there's something going on where Dreams is is seen as very worth it for them. Because Dreams has been in development since before the PS4 even came out. Like, it's a, it's a big thing and it only, it only actually officially launched in 2020. Yeah. So, 
the fact that that's a thing and the fact that PlayStation saw value in that and the fact that Media Molecule is still around because honestly <laughs> based on PlayStation's history they're not shy about shutting down a studio no not at all so the fact that media molecule is still around after dreams took so long to make and tearaway was their last release before that and tearaway did not sell extraordinarily Mm -hmm. uh that says to me that playstation has to see something of value here and there's got to be something behind the scenes that justifies that to them yeah and i think it's what I'm talking about with the whole, like, being able to get talent and, and being able it. to utilize that. Yeah. Uh, so I think Dreams has has a lot more potential that we're going to see. And I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so those were those were our, uh, our favorite games of 2020, right? Yeah. Do I, you have any others? I've got one. But I, oh. I, think, I think I'll match you, though, because I think... Did you have... We shared one with Ghost. Yeah, we shared with Ghost. Yeah. We'll keep it, because this one's more of a more of a recent discovery. Well, go ahead How and much say it. It. Demon Souls. Oh! Yeah. I think Demon Souls, again, as a another game... Like I said, the, the market's been oversaturated with remakes and remasters and whatnot. Demon Souls very much takes it, and with... I think this speaks more to not necessarily the game itself, but Blue Point as a studio... Yeah. being able to take something and something so beloved as Demon Souls as they with uh, Shadow of the Colossus and create a game build upon it and just completely revamp the look of it like it is one of the it's one of those few remasters you see out there where you look side by side there is a drastic drastic difference in how it looked like original Demon Souls looks like a PS2 game now yeah it, it looks bad um the artistic direction was always there, but... Right. It, the execution. The, yeah. Just because they couldn't mm-hmm. fully realize a lot of things. But, oh my god. Like, just the Nexus itself mm-hmm. is gorgeous. And, like, I, I played maybe two, three hours into the game just the other day. And how fluid you everything feels and seamless the combat is. And just the overall presentation and cutscenes... And the storytelling itself in the lore, like typically when lore like that in the game happens, like and subtext, where's that thrown in your face? It's like, oh, here's this thing, especially in a game like Demon Souls, where it's very much a, very much a gameplay focused game. It's not there necessarily. To tell it's a, story. a very gamey game. Yeah, it's not. Well, I won't even say that. It's not there to tell a story by any means. Like the story is there, but it's more of a backdrop for just the reason you're, yeah. you're doing this. They give your character a purpose, um, and that's it. Um. I found myself very intrigued and wanting to listen to everything and explore everything and kind of dive into it to see what this appeal is um, into this cult classic, really, that started this whole Souls, you know, try very hard at this game and be very particular with your moves and what you do kind of game. It is kind of amazing that Demon's Souls really gave birth to a genre. Yeah. Like a... a fucking cultural phenomenon almost within mm-hmm. the gaming community it took a developer as like like from software which had already been around and put them on the map didn't they work on armored core uh-huh they weren't what a weird they had been around for a while and they didn't have anything seriously notable yeah um to where you know their name didn't carry any weight to where now if you slap from software on something it is like oh shit yeah people okay. get excited yeah 
like they did when they announced the From Software Game of Thrones game. Elden Ring? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All that people saw was From Software, and they were immediately screaming. Yeah, like, oh, People were crying. Mm Mm-hmm. It is something like that. So, and it's a testament, not only them, but again, back to Bluepoint, for them to know what to respect out of what they built, out of what other someone else has built. Yeah. And it just has me hoping that Bluepoint one day as a studio creates something original. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. They had to have learned so much from breaking these games down and then building them upon them. So I, I honestly, I feel like Bluepoint's going to be the next studio that PlayStation buys. I think they're going to be the next to officially join the tri- the PlayStation family. Are they not already? They aren't. They're second party. They're not first party. That's crazy to me. But I think, yeah, it is crazy. Because they basically, I mean, they've been, they've been pretty much exclusively PlayStation oriented mm-hmm. since the Metal Gear Solid HD collection. But, uh, but yeah, I think they're going to be the next purchase from PlayStation. Uh, but, yeah, I, uh, I think they did a phenomenal job with utilizing next gen hardware to reimagine a world and really bring it to life because demon souls is just drop jaw-droppingly gorgeous i think uh but also yeah paying respect to the original like they they even flat out have the same exact animations like Mm -hmm. like every single frame is exact uh with only a few minor tweaks here and there but for the most part this game plays just like it originally did but in a world that makes sense on modern hardware so yeah i think blue point is really talented yeah i wonder how they would do with their own ip i think the biggest thing for them has been funding because they are a small they're not a big studio by any means well they've got to be getting oh i I think after i think after the crucial success of shadow the colossus or the commercial success of shadow the colossus and demon souls will be enough and if sony does plan to purchase them, which I imagine they probably are. Um, I think they, honestly, if it were to happen, it would have been this year, but because of COVID... You mean 2020? 2020, yeah. I think 2020 would have been the year, but because of everything that happened with COVID, they very much played everything close to the best. Didn't want to dump a bunch of money into one thing, and then they can't do anything with it yet. Yeah. So I think we'll see that, and after just now acquiring, because they acquired Insomniac last year too, Yeah. I think they were hauling out to see how that goes. Um, yeah, I think 2021 is going to be the year blue point joins the playstation family yeah i think that'll I think be a well big deserved thing. too mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah i we just said but yeah at the same time uh so i think that's it for this episode we'll go into the other stuff in another episode just because yeah we're at an hour we're at an hour probably not too much news coming within the next week or so so yeah, yeah. uh but yeah uh thank you so much for listening and tuning in thank you for subscribing rating reviewing on apple Podcasts, following on spotify it's greatly appreciated if you want to support the show you can go to mtfproductions.com slash donate the link will be in the show notes uh but yeah and happy new year happy freaking new year we we fucking made it we survived Mm -hmm. isn't that wild to think about like things weren't very hopeful for a moment (laughs) there (laughs) yeah like, literally all that we had this year was video games. At least for me. I don't know. <laughs>
I mean, video games definitely. Yeah. Okay. As far as like things that were just like external things that were consistently good. Yes. I should say. Yes. It did. It's not just video games that I have in my life. No. Uh, It is only video games he has. That's all. But like, as far as external things that we don't really have much control over, Mm -hmm. not letting us down, and that is video games. I think were great. It certainly wasn't. Government or country or healthcare or viruses or financial situations or <laughs> jobs. <laughs> it's <was> just video games. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so congratulations on making it to 2021. You should treat yourself to something, whether it's a video game or a, a nice drink or. I don't know. A nap. Yeah, a, a nice nap. Just do something nice for yourself, because you've earned it. 